You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Straight Talk segment here on Real Presence Live. Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross. And the number to call is 877-795-0122. Please dial that toll-free number. We would love to hear from you. Also, you can leave a message on our our Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. You know, I, I want to start off with a little, just a little kind of ditty. Just okay. One of these happy priest moments that, that you have. Like, it has totally nothing to do with you as a priest, but you you have the fortune of being the recipient of God's grace and, and sure. so many different things coming together. So, um, this afternoon, I'm going to have uh, a funeral for a gentleman. His name is Richard Pengilly. He's 95 years old. Um, I never knew Richard in life. I, I only met him for about 15 minutes. And uh, the family called, and I came. And, and, and what's kind of neat now is I look back on all these dates. So he was actually born on December 8th, which is the Feast of... Immaculate Conception. Conception. Okay. And then on the Feast of St. Dominic is when I met him, which is also the Rosary. That's We, we ta- traditionally talk about Feast St. Dominic and then Rosary coming together. Again, strong Marian theme. But... Um, so I meet him. He's he's baptized. He's confirmed. Receives his first Eucharist and the a- apostolic. So pardon. you yourself celebrated yeah. all of these yes. things with him on that day, is yeah, what you're on, saying on that day. Wow. And then he he died on the actual feast of the Assumption. And I I had an, an open intention that day, and I was actually able to celebrate Mass for the repose of his soul on that day. And and then yesterday, if you remember, the gospel yesterday was about the vineyard, right? Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God is like the vineyard. And right. those who have labored and those at the last minute they come in. Mm-hmm. And and you know, and this reminds me of the, the good thief. You know, I was thinking, Well, Richard, you're you're the good thief here. You've you you stole paradise. You know, I think that was Archbishop Fulton Sheen's famous line about mm. the, the good thief stole paradise, or he, yeah. he he was the best of thieves because it came true at the end. But um, I'm very excited for this funeral this afternoon um, for his living relatives who will be there to be able to, to proclaim the gospel in the hope of salvation. And now, now I'd say to all our listeners, you, you don't want to plan your salvation this way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't roll the dice and say, gosh, I sure hope at the very last moment I have a... a uh, a relative who's faithful, who's going to call a priest in and help me, or whatever. That it's it's probably a, a better plan to have to be one of those who are called in the beginning to labor in the vineyard yes. y- your whole life to be mm-hmm. faithful, working out your salvation, fear and troubling, as as Saint Paul says. But on the other hand, um, it really struck me yesterday when I was proclaiming that gospel, like. Yeah. I mean, it would be so easy in a certain way to get bitter or cynical or envious and say, right. well, by gum, what? how could you say that he's entitled to this when he didn't know the Lord his whole life or so forth? At, at the last moment, he gets it. And, and my, my response to that is, it just fills me with joy. Like, to like praise God that we have such a generous God right. that he makes room for everybody. And it really indicates how he, he wants everybody. He, mm-hmm. he wants everybody. 
Would we not it. want to encounter a merciful God like that if we should need it? If we should be like the guys who hadn't been hired all day who were standing around somebody? So rather than to, you know, be, be griping and to, you know, have our sense of fair play wounded or whatever by the earliest hired laborers not getting more than what they agreed to, what if we put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who's in need of that mercy? And then here's the other way yeah. on that, because there's because what is it that because there's no bitterness in God's kingdom there's there's no right. cynicism there's no envy so what if you are that person what, what maybe right now there's a listener who their entire life they've known the Lord their entire life has been one of toil and suffering and pain and sorrow and and disappointment and so you know and so I sit there and I was in in prayer I was envisioning that and I, I was saying well it, it's a decision to say like wow look at that because today in today's gospel he said many are Invited, invited and fewer chosen. Fewer chosen. Right. So it's to, to be able to turn to the Lord and say, wow, Lord, I'm one of those who are invited. Mm-hmm. And and this, this sorrow, this pain, and everything that I'm toiling in this labor, it demonstrates to me that I'm chosen. And, and so to rejoice in the fact that I've been chosen. How do I know I've been chosen? Because I'm asked to labor. I'm asked to suffer with the Lord. And and what a what a mark of being chosen that the Lord would allow me to identify with His labor, with His suffering, the whole way through. So, so then it's it's a way to build up the whole body. Those who are laboring and those who are suffering, those who at the last minute do receive divine mercy. You know yes. that we we are in this together. Like the that our last segment, the power mm-hmm. of the powerless that. Every person really does matter. They really do make a difference. And every one of us is chosen, not in the same way, not in the same way, but in a glorious way, in a dignified yeah. way for each one of us. So, Amen, brother. Yes, definitely. And um, uh, so that number again is 877-795-0122. We're going to have a question that we'll be addressing here in just a moment on Facebook. I also wanted to mention something I was thinking about with our last segment. You think of the various... Um, countries that were part of the behind the iron curtain as winston churchill spoke about it and hungary was one of those and um, a couple of days ago there was the memorial for saint stephen of hungary well if you look within the biography and examine his family his wife is beatified in the church blessed gisella their son saint emmerich was a canonized saint so you have a household that cherished and promoted the faith rather than to you know lord it over others you know but sought to serve rather than just to be served i think that's a great witness as well so you know budapest is one of those cities as well where people were um throwing off the shackles of uh soviet uh, communist oppression you know and in father gross here too here you know here's a thought on all this like you look at the places like um Take Ireland, for example, where the Catholics were persecuted, or take England, where the Catholics were persecuted for centuries, and take Poland, where they were persecuted for centuries. You know, and it becomes this wealth of, or different places in Africa, the blood of the martyrs, right? Where the the church becomes young and vibrant and strong, and the harder you try to wipe it out, the stronger it comes. Well, then you go and look at, like, Ireland now, which has turned to a place of really affluence through 
through technology and different incomes that have come in, I visited there. And the Tourism, g- yeah. Gorgeous churches, everything completely empty. Mm-hmm. Every county used to have its own seminary. There's one seminary left in the whole nation now. It's barely making it. Vocations are way down. The fervor for the faith is way down. Yeah. And so you sit there and say, well, you know, time and time again as, as humanity, like that first reading today, we demonstrate that, you know, when, when things are going well for us, we, we quickly forget God. We, we forget our fervor of our faith or we get, you know, slothful in, in our expression of, of, of faith. And it's sad to say, but it's almost like, you know, God allows persecution for us to wake up, to come back. And it, it would be nice if we could be fervent in faith without having somebody to oppress us, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So. Speaking about uh, that, the crucible that people often find themselves in because of various things, we do have a question that was submitted on our Facebook page from Vicki. She says, I have a family member who is suffering from cancer, and I'm wondering how to introduce him to offer up his suffering to God. He does not follow the Catholic faith. So, um initial reactions to that question yeah so again without knowing the particular details like does he believe in god does he have a practice i don't know um so so if we start with the idea that maybe he's he doesn't believe in god because you know we don't know from the question but that he uh i I would say well you take a natural approach like um and i think that's for something like victor frankl does a great service where he he clearly shows that every every person has interior meaning and and it's there and you can suffering can be used to bring about goodness even if you're not aware of god or don't believe in god it can Mm -hmm. be directed in a natural way for for the good of others so father gross how many times in your ministry like say you're ministering to maybe um, somebody who is dying from cancer or various things and have you ever come upon them where it finds after you've interacted with them it feels like they've ministered to you more deeply based on their witness of how they're handling the suffering mm-hmm. compared you thought you're coming there to minister to them and it's almost the exact opposite i, I think that's the see there's something just n- in us natural like love or different things those are natural things and you, you can focus on that you can you, you can go in and and i'd say it starts with one word like you say the person and you just say like you are inspiring me how you're suffering mm-hmm. see like you, there's that's a natural conversation it doesn't have anything to do with god you and, and you just talk to them about wow you're you're such an inspiration to me based on how you're handling this or what you're doing. So yeah. immediately you show how their suffering is having an effect on others around them. Well, then it's just a logical step to say, hey, this can be offered up for something good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just on the natural level. without Right. I was also thinking of the fact that, you know, there are a lot of people who in the midst of their suffering become very bitter and they, they wish for some sort of magical, you know, removal of the, uh, you know, the, the, the suffering, the anxiety, I mean, whatever whatever the case may be. But just remember the pattern of life that Jesus chose for himself. And uh, in the second chapter of the letter to the Philippians, uh, St. Paul speaks about that so eloquently that Christ did not uh, deem, you know, um, uh, divinity as something to be grasped at, but humbled himself, taking the form of a slave. Every, every 
worst part of human suffering Jesus embraced in himself, in his body, um, beginning on that night, you know, at Gethsemane and then throughout his passion and suffering and cross. So we don't have a Savior who was only looking upon us from afar and just, you know, completely removed from us, but he embraced that suffering. And so um, that is, you know, that's a very tangible thing, I think, for people. What do you, what, Father Gross, what's your approach when, when you deal with somebody who maybe, again, it could be might be an end-of-life issue, or maybe it's not even end-of-life, but it's they're, they're having tremendous suffering, and, and they want euthanasia, or they, they just, they literally are actively headed down that even maybe intellectual road or whatever of, I should be entitled to end my suffering whenever I want to. Do you, have you ever had to deal with that? Or I mean, there were a couple of times where not necessarily the person who is suffering, but a close family member, maybe a son or a daughter, you know, like uh, would make some sort of flippant remark, you know, maybe Kevorkian was onto something, you know, or, or that sort of thing. And you know, it is, it, it's difficult and hurtful, you know, I guess, to kind of hear that and to walk with people and to share that pain. Um, basically, you know, you just have to, try to approach it logically in terms of, you know, this is a very brief chapter compared to eternity, you know, with the Lord. Yeah, I just, I think that's where, like, there's such an advantage to having a personal relationship with Christ at those moments, because, I mean, obviously, if you don't, you're on the outside, and it just, it's, yeah. Sounds a gobbledygook, but if you have a relationship, you 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 totally can identify with Christ. You can see where his suffering, and you you realize, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, he's inviting me here. Yeah. I can identify in this journey. Right. If the Lord is just a vending machine, so to speak, you know, you put this in and you get something out. You know, then that's a very shallow sort of understanding. And, and it's, it, it, it probably wouldn't be the moment to do it. But between you and I, as we're sitting here talking about it right now, mm-hmm. what people don't realize is, like, basically, what we're doing is we're passing judgment on God at that point. We're saying, I'm willing to stand. Before for God on my own two feet, my own merit to say like I'm the I took judgment into my hands mm. and I've judged that that was enough and and Lord I'm right. telling you yeah. what what uh, right and and in the abstract about. it seems so absurd you know to to, to take that position yeah. yes exactly so the number the call here for our straight talk segment eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two and you can also leave uh, messages on our Facebook now, page. Now, Father Gross, it's very rare that you or I get, we both get stimulated by a bunch of stuff, and then we yes. stimulate each other, but it's very rare that we walk into the studio <laughs> and we say, hey, here's the deal. What's the deal that we both got stimulated there by? There has been a hot-button comment that has been picked up in numerous uh, parts of media that has been stoked by an article that was written, kind of an op-ed article, um, written in a uh, magazine called The Atlantic. This author's name is Daniel Panatin, and he said, and the title of it, I don't know if it was an editor that came up with the headline, but it's somewhat salacious. How extremist gun culture is trying to co-opt the rosary. So basically, this uh, author is reacting to uh, a couple of memes, you know, which exist out there where there are, you know, um, a rosary is placed next to firearms and, you know, various things like that. I think, and actually the title was redacted because I think the original title on there was the, 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 the rosary is a weapon. The rosary has been uh, turned into a weapon. That's yeah, yeah. You know, rosary as weapon memes represent a social media diffusion of, of various messaging. Um, you now, this a couple of poll quotes here. Many take genuine sustenance from Catholic theology's concept of the church militant and the tradition of regarding the rosary as a weapon against Satan. So there's a, you know, the, the article is a little bit of a screed, you know, about 
certain perceptions, but I think one, there are a couple of things that it exposes, at least in, in my mind. First of all, um, the difficulty that a lot of people traditionally have had with um, Catholic symbols in the public square. So people might be saying, well, okay, rosary is fine if I never have to see you, you know, like if you're just praying it in church or if you're praying it at home or whatever, if I'm not seeing it otherwise is going to be some sort of trigger for myself, you know, and it kind of ties into some of the um, historical anti-Catholic baggage, you know, going on in the country. Also, there's a whole question about how a lot of the people who are most fervent in the church with regard to upholding the teachings of the church rely very heavily on their devotion to our Blessed Mother and to the praying of the Rosary. So it has become symbolic of um, people at least, you know, standing in the path of those who would want to, you know, do things that are contrary to the teachings of Christ, you know, because it's it's a matter of uh, people saying, you know, I should be able to do, you know, what I want to do when I want to do it, and somebody who's trying to thwart that or whatever, you know, the, and, and it just, the, the, if you're, if you're endorsing what's happening in the world around you, there's really no adversarial, you know, um, uh, element to it. You know, there, there's no reason for taking up weapons. There's no reason for spiritual warfare. If you are so um, simpatico, you might say, with the spirit of the age, you know, there, there's really nothing to fight against. And so it offends a lot of people to see us speaking, uh, you know, applying to ourselves the words of the St. Michael the Archangel prayer, defend us in battle. Well, you know, what kind of battle is there? You know, and it, it kind of makes you wonder what sorts of things for people, you know, are taboo, you know, <laughs> anymore, yeah, right. if there is, you know, if, if, if there is anything. Right. You know, and, and just the, the whole, I mean, obviously, I'm th- I mean, I kind of wish the author of this would have done a, just a little bare minimum research before he put pen to paper, because, you know, he, he's, he's, He's accomplishing what he wanted, which is getting a strong reaction. He's getting yeah. a strong reaction out of me, and and I do I do want to respond to a, a, you know a number of things here that, that that this is provoked. So first of all, on the on the on the spiritual level, like just take the spiritual level. Mm-hmm. Like I doubt, for example, maybe he knew, but I doubt that he knew. I mean, this came out right around uh, August eighth, which is the feast of uh, Saint Dominic, which is associated with the the Rosary. And the traditional rosary that we have. What, um, uh, so I sit there and I say, like, aha, see, if I was the father of lies, if I was Satan, I would want something to come forward about this thing, to put doubt in people's minds, to convince them that it's a bad thing, that it needs to be wiped out, that it shouldn't be visibly seen, you shouldn't see it, you shouldn't use it, right? If I'm the mm-hmm. father of lies, I want to... I want to inspire someone to put something forward to say, like, down with the rosary. This yeah, you know, like, kind of church militant means, you know, intolerant, and intolerant means un, you know. Like, exactly, that yeah. somehow you're, 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 you're a bad person if you have, or it's offensive to be seen. So could you imagine, like, right now, if there was a couple of Dominican friars walking down the street, fully habited, and their rosaries are on, are, are you going to compare that? They're walking with Uzis or something out there? I mean, such extremists. Oh, oh my gosh, you know, what? what can do with the rosaries but yeah you know it's but it's worth it's worth just taking a step back from all of this and actually what is the rosary i mean what right. what is it you know i mean we're because he, mm-hmm. he never defines it he doesn't go yeah. on and explain the history so i mean it, it's really quite beautiful and a lot of people don't realize it comes out of the history of the words of christ himself where 
Jesus was a faithful Jew, and as a faithful Jew, he stopped seven times a day and he prayed the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. And, and those Psalms, is basically, if you look at it, it's the voice between God the Father and God the Son, really. I mean, that, that's, it's between the divine and the human. There's this, there's this voice, this dialogue that's taking place. And so, um, all the way back in the beginning, Christ, uh, the Jews, Christ himself, then forward all Christians, there isn't a single thing that we do as faithful Christians that we don't involve the Psalms. So you think of any prayer that we do, um, morning prayer, evening prayer, mass, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a funeral service, a, a, a blessing at a wedding. The Psalms are always there. There's always one of those 150 Psalms is always there. Mm-hmm. From the beginning, seven times a day, the early Christians were stopping because they were Judeo-Christian and they're praying those psalms. Well, as this goes forward and develops, like you know, we're pretty spoiled in modern day. We're educated. We can read. We can write. We can understand these things. It wasn't always that way, mm-hmm. and a lot of it depended on memorization and and chanting. And so you'd have chants and things that would help you memorize these 150 psalms. And if you're a vowed man to God, you'd have to know well. What if you don't know them? Well, so what would happen is they would substitute. They would, it, it was the Our Father, what we call we can call it a rosary if you want, but it was the, the beads or knots, and basically you, you'd substitute one Our Father for each one of those psalms to be faithful to praying those psalms throughout the day if you didn't have them memorized. So that started the one of the very first Christian, if you want to call it a rosary, was sure. the Our Father rosary, where you, you're, you're, throughout the day if you're walking, wherever you're praying Our Father and substitute for one of the psalms because you don't have it memorized. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, as time comes, we come to the Albigensian heresy. So this is the modern day rosary, the Marian rosary as we know it now. It, and rosary, the word itself, means little roses. That's like you're offering a little rose mm-hmm. of prayer. That's what rosary literally means. So it's like a garden of prayers. Okay. Well, what happened there, uh, St. Dominic and, and the Dominicans and a few others involved here, they went forth to preach against the heresy. The heresy was the Albigensian heresy. That that heresy denied the, the true divinity and true humanity of Christ and, and that the, un, the hypostatic union, basically. So what Dominic did is he took scripture, St. Luke's Gospel, and he takes the moment. What's the moment when God becomes man? Well, at the moment when Mary says yes, he's conceived in her womb. And for the first time since original sin, God and man are friends in the womb of Mary. It's the conception of Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed mm-hmm. art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And that's actually where it stopped. That was the original that was the original, what we call the Hail Mary. Later, the word Jesus gets put in there, and then the petition, pray for us now and at the hour of our death, we sinners, you know. Um, okay, but, so like, that's why when you hear the Ave Maria sung, oftentimes it stops right there at the, the womb of the Virgin Mary, the fruit of your womb, and mm-hmm. you don't hear the second part, because that, that's where, what he used. So he literally went through Europe using this piece of, of scripture, of the Gospel of Luke, Use that to educate people that Christ is truly God and truly man. He took the Our Father rosary, he put it together, and so he had the people reflecting and praying on this moment, come to understand this moment, the, the Jesus Christ, he's the new and eternal covenant, he's the covenant of Doha and French, of God and man are, are one, and this can never be broken, right? And to teach them that the Albigensian heresy was a lie, it's wrong. And it's, it's going to lead you away from salvation. And he was very successful at this. And then you, you put that on a rope with beads or knots, and you're praying through that. And then you add then the mysteries of Christ's life, his, mm-hmm. his conception, his birth, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, right? And, and suddenly you have the entire gospel 
on some beads in somebody's hand, and you can take somebody who they're you don't have to be educated, you don't have to have a degree, whatever. And what are they doing? They're militants, meaning what? They're fighting against the lies of Satan. They're fighting against evil spirits. They're they're being comforted by the Blessed Mother. They're they're being they're receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're receiving the, the comforts of God the Father. And, and so suddenly you are you are you could use that language. And a lot of the popes and the saints have used that language. Like th- this is your weapon against evil. This is your your sword of of of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to yeah, to but Ephesians evil. chapter six. You know, take up the helmet of salvation. You know, and we battle uh, not against not against flesh and blood, but of the uh, you know. But on the other hand, if you don't believe that there is a Satan, that there's a father of lies, that there's evil, or that you need, if you don't think that you need salvation, and you don't think that there's something out there that wants to destroy your eternal soul, well, then then you could take mm-hmm. this and you can turn it into a meme or you can turn it into say like oh it's a symbol for gangsters there's a symbol for extremists or he was making the point that you know if you're catholic with a rosary walking around i think he's connecting it up with probably the pro-life movement is really mm-hmm. probably where he's seen this oh yeah mm-hmm. you know and, and he's saying like oh somebody who might be sidewalk counseling or whatever outside of abortion clinic praying the rosary they're extremists and they're they're violent and they need to be done away with and we need to make this disappear so that, I mean that's mm-hmm. yeah you know and from. and you hear accounts from various uh, exorcists talking about how demons have expressed in the midst of their prayers and their rituals um, how effective um, intercession to the Mother of God is and how it wounds them you know in their in in, in thwarting their purposes so y- you know the the. The faithful daily devotion of praying the rosary is a means of sanctifying one's daily life. And if that's something radical, well, you know, I'm a radical. Call, call us radicals. Yeah. <laughs> which, which means to the root, actually. The word radical means to the root. And we'd be like, yeah, we want to go to the, to the root of Christ and his teachings and what he's about. So, Yes, yes, exactly. So, I mean, it was just, a, I mean, it, it just is bringing up a, a lot of foolishness with regard to the the inflammation of things you know and just uh, uh, various images and um, you know another kind of a parting shot from that article Catholics are taught to love and forgive their enemies that to do otherwise is a sin but the extremist understanding of spiritual warfare overrides that command you know and all sorts of these and, 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 strange and, things that like, he's saying where? You know, I mean, you can make these grandiose statements, or but where? What, what, what do you even? Where is this even in reality? What do you? you know talking about so yeah yeah so anyway it got uh, it got got plenty of attention here so um we just have a couple of minutes left here in this uh segment and i just wanted to mention a couple of things there were some people who um the lord has called from this life uh within the last couple of weeks here um that i wanted to just make a, a recognition of um one uh something you know you learn something new every day uh the popular singer and actress olivia newton john passed away who um, was was not Catholic herself, but oftentimes attended Mass at a nearby um, uh, monastery close to her home in the, the hills in Southern California, and uh, had a practice of praying the Lord's Prayer every single night ever since she had had a, a difficult pregnancy with uh, the birth of her child back in the 80s. A gentleman by the name of Vin Scully passed away, who was a um, for uh, a very long and illustrative career, uh, an for the first Brooklyn Dodgers and then the Los Angeles Dodgers moving out to the West Coast when they went out there. Uh, He was a very faithful Catholic, um, husband, father, uh, Knight of Columbus, and uh, just a a real 
a real example of a gentleman in uh, an industry where people can be anything but. Also, um, David McCullough, uh, a great popular historian in America, passed away too, and one of my all-time favorite authors. So we ask for eternal rest granted upon their souls, and we'll be right back after this. <laughs> 